Welcome to the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs, bringing you from zero to 60 in the non-fungible token world without breaking the bank, with your hosts, Andrew, aka Rantum, and George from Mostly Stable on Zed Run, who will help you navigate new projects, interview expert guests, and explore NFT trends. So whether you're on your first or 50th NFT, we're going to have something for you. And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat, not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. Today on All About Affordable NFTs, we're talking about know what you own. That's right. Keep an eye on what's in your wallet. Not brought to you by Capital One, but knowing what's in your wallet, we'll, we'll have some fun stories on that one in our theme, but first, Andrew. How's it going? Oh, well, George, how's it going? Good to good to talk some NFTs today. Yeah, it's been minutes. It's been minutes. I was really excited. We had our largest single download day of, I think we beat like 80, 80 downloads in one day, which is uh, for us. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Thank you to our listeners and, and downloaders, whether you're uh, listening or not, but we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Of course, leave reviews so more people can find us. And we're we're always chatting in the, the Discord, so... Honestly, like we record these in batches. We're talking about it right now in the Discord of like what's coming up and sharing more nuance on like all of the projects usually and actually have so far only shared outside projects from people that bring it in on the Discord. So people have emailed us and we have not really followed up that much on bringing in random projects. But if you're in the Discord and you're helping us not parse out projects and have conversation, that's where it's going on. And that's 3ANFT.com. All right. NFT news. I'm really excited, I'll just say, about the upcoming Moonbirds drop. And it is, like you are in the, e- you're in the ecosystem. You know that this thing's coming like a hurricane. You know, we could, dev- we're not going to dedicate a whole episode to this at all, but I'm excited because it's a, coming off of Kevin Rose's work and it's, you know, it's going to be a, a pretty large project. The thing to take away is that it's going to suck up a lot of liquidity. Based on the 2.5 E starting point that it's going to be minting at. So this is not an affordable project at all. And I may have to break my rule number one of this year already in Q2 of not buying a thing over one ETH, but we'll see. Any, any top lines on Moonbirds? Yeah, I think you're right that it will suck up a lot of ETH. There's still a lot of just chatter about it around NFT Twitter, around Discord. There, the, the, the proof team, Ryan Carson and, and Kevin Rose are hitting all the major NFT podcast, except for this one, but that's just because we <laughs> we don't have guests quite yet. But they did reach out, I, I believe. You're not part of the Discord. We didn't let them in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, you know, but I think it really it, it is it is going to have an impact on the market. You know, initially they were going to do a Dutch auction starting at 2.5, and then realized that if they did that, it was just going to be a gas war because everybody was going to be willing to spend that 2.5 and then some. So they do have a raffle now. You know, it is a question of, you know, how, what that floor ends up in, at in the secondary uh, market. So I think there will be a lot of people that don't win the raffle and are still getting ETH ready for secondary. So, you know, it'll, it'll certainly have an impact. There'll be some people clipping, but then there'll certainly be people uh, looking to hold that one. The proof pod or the proof, I'm sorry, the proof NFT collection now is a floor of around 90 ETH. So that, is, you know, I think that gets some indication of the ETH that is kind of being 
set aside for this upcoming project and, and the interest that is uh, in this one. So definitely one to watch. And like you said, not, not affordable, but you know, certainly if you, if you do have some extra ETH around, it may be worth taking a look at. Yeah. This is not financial advice, but also I exactly. how much of that is touching on looking at the past seven days, the past week. And NFT overall sale volume is down like 45%, which is, you know, kind of, kind of a lot. Certainly yeah, I think you're before. right. You know, we're, we've certainly seen, I mean, volumes way up from, from March for the most part, but we, we saw it kind of pick up significantly and then it's plateaued a bit more recently. And I think there is some sort of anticipation of that new project from, you know, this guy. Just remember, there's just not that many people playing this game. And they have True. a item out, right? It's one thing to say like, oh, you know, a couple people buying into Ether, Bitcoin, obviously like there's nobody, no project that's going to move the needle on it. But in the land of NFTs, where you're just talking about like top holders and there's a finite amount of ETH being allocated to NFTs, like, yeah, a new project like this can easily vacuum up. Some yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would never say this, like you would never say, well, there's an IPO coming out. So that's why, the price, yeah. <laughs> that's why the price of Amazon and Apple has come down or I've heard that people aren't even trading anymore because of some companies going to IPO soon. I mean, but it's a very different stage that we're in. And I'm not saying that this is stocks or anything like that, but one project can really have a significant impact <laughs> and it's, you know, pretty easy to see here. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll have funny stories of what the heck happened next week on that. We have Meta planning to take nearly a 50% cut on all virtual asset sales in the metaverse. So it took them all a, a month to really switch on the revenue on a thing that doesn't even exist and uh, sort of saying anything sold there. Okay. I'm surprised by this one, honestly, because I had listened to a podcast recently with uh, Zuckerberg. He was on Tim Ferriss' podcast and seemed to... Yeah. Yeah. Seemed to have a pretty, I don't know, spoke about the metaverse in, in a way that was very interoperable, seemed to understand that part of it. But this, this doesn't seem to show a very good grasp of, of what it takes to succeed in Web3. And it's not just taking it all for the corporation. You know, we'll see how well this plays out. I'd say this is actually good for Web3 native companies, though, because they have a significant advantage by not charging that fee. Absolutely. You want to talk about an advantage that it comes from... When you're talking about being uh, sort of walled garden versus open source, letting people play in your backyard, there's a big advantage to having, frankly, developer-friendly fees and rates and not exorbitant in users' levels. And they're, you know, trying to command over Apple premiums for the App Store, which arguably, like, has problems, but is fair in the respect that, like, they have a thriving ecosystem and can promote it as opposed to day one, gate one charging that much and you're like i'll tell you one thing i think there are enough developers in and in companies and founders out there that have been rugged by facebook's changes over the years and i can i can count the tails because i am one of them because of things they've chosen to change underneath your footing so at least they're being upfront about it <laughs> how about that you're like we're not gonna rug you we're gonna show you the rug yeah wow that's maybe you have to come up with a new term for this and you know, is that something? I don't know. Yeah, we'll come up with something clever. All right, Sotheby's launching another digital art auction. What is this thing? So they've got another, they've got their metaverse platform and they do their 
auctions. This is their newest one. And this time they're going to be uh, auctioning digital art that was created before the introduction of NFTs. So we've seen this in the past. I'm always somewhat skeptical of this because it's not it's, it wasn't necessarily created with the intent of being an NFT, but it is trying to create some sort of record of these digital, uh, these digital works that really had no way of being tracked before, you know, they were really copied and still can be copied, you know? So I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes, but it isn't necessarily what we're looking at. Normally we think of crypto art and art that's generated just for the blockchain. So is this kind of, it looks like validating body in some senses of saying like, what is the official canon of this artist? And the same way that they do that in the, the real art world being like, actually, no, that's not a Picasso. That's, you know, a Picasso can and it's a fake. So absolutely. It's kind of an interesting role that they could play in a, in a valuable niche, I think, long-term. All right. Next we've got this, uh, this big auction here. Let's see, we've got a First tweet from Jack Dorsey was sold for, let's see, 1.8 million or so a year ago. And it was, it went on sale listed for 48 million with the owner promising to donate 50% of the proceeds to a nonprofit. I'm not sure why he was announcing that up front and, and sort of, I guess, already inflating the price by hundred percent. Uh, for the buyer, but it didn't really matter because the top bid came in at just under $300. So from two point or one point eight million to three. That was two point nine. So I had it as nine. I'm sorry. Two point nine million actually. Okay. But like, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> you know, I think I think the auction like a, a bid got up to maybe three thousand. But yeah, I mean, we'll get that in the, the know what you own. But you know, buying a piece of history. Is this buying the piece of history, or was it? I don't know if it, if you could say it is. It was a, a reminder of there's no market, you know, you need somebody on the other side of that market. Yeah. And I, you know, if it's not endorsed by the creator, the platform, I'm not sure that it has much, I don't know if there's much official to it anyway, but you know, not much of market right now, certainly. So I don't think that uh, he'll be selling it to any. It was also a dumb, it was a real, I actually like, maybe he was trying to sell it on the like, uh, news of Elon buying, uh, you know, shares of Twitter at giant Elon sized bites. I heard he put an offer into the whole freaking thing recently too. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that's interesting. By the time this comes out, who knows that like he could either own 0% or a hundred percent. Sounds like he's willing to go either way. So. Yeah. So there's that. So maybe that was like, maybe I'll play on this news and thought he could get a premium on it, but you know, kind of embarrassing. And it's also, um, so much different than the whatever be the Sotheby, Christie, whatever to be worlds where they can be done in private. Oh, we didn't get enough auctions and meet me in floor. Like this is all out in public. And so like news outlets just, you know, are hungry for the like throw it in your face type of you fool NFT. Absolutely. And also they could attack Twitter. That was just everything they wanted. Such an example of, of, you know, a bubble is burst kind of thing for, for mainstream media. And, you know, if you look at the wrong things or look at, you know, the things that you want to, you can always find that story. But, you know, as we know, there's uh, there's plenty of thriving projects and that I would never have, we would never have recommended in our affordable right. projects anyway. So Hard I can't imagine why, why would you have decided to purchase that? But, you know, we'll see what happens. He'll, he'll maybe uh, flip that for good point money at some point. Well, a wonderful tax write-off for sure. Yes. 
okay, should we go to an affordable project? Yeah, what have you got for us? Looks like you're continuing with your theme and you've moved beyond the stable games and you're into the football soccer games. What do you what do you have for us, George? Okay, so I do have to give a shout out to a sort of uh, a small, awesome Zed podcast, uh, Zed, uh, Zed Run Insights, where I heard uh, a feature on Footium. So this is Footium, footium.club, footium.club. And it's essentially own, manage, win, Web3 football management. So it's, you know, building on sort of games that have already been out there in the past where you kind of like can build your team and compete and try to move up in divisions and, you know, try not to get relegated. And in part of this, the, the play here is that you're getting this football club included in it is the sort of the, the name and the design of it, but also players and a stadium. And you're able to sort of move up in divisions starting at the lowest of eight. So right now the floor, just to give you an idea of recording this is 0.24 and uh, 0.24 ETH. And that'll get you uh, like uh, a division eight. Now, technically what happens is you're going to get players each season. There's going to be new minted players into that. So you can kind of develop them. You'll play against other teams and try to optimize for different strategies. And you're essentially, if you're, you're getting into this, you're saying like, all right, either one, you're just trying to flip a club that you find and say like, okay, this year is just going to be all about soccer because the World Cup is coming. And, you know, there may be a whole new rise in interest there. So maybe it's a hold and flip on the club or get into it and try to say like, all right, can I, can I try to play this game and move my Division 8 team up to a Division 7 or Division 6 because that is um, one of the biggest differentiators on on price. It's kind of funny also, these football clubs have what they call lore associated with it. And so I think there's like these full narratives. For example, I'm looking at, you know, something on the floor right now, the Wild Stanley FC is a professional football club based in Wild. And then you get just fun things like the fans tend to be overly wild or don't cheer very much. And you're like, what, the random? So they're, they're trying to build in some narrative to it. The You said they got a little bit of funding, correct, over at Footium recently? Yeah, they raised, let's see, it looks like they raised about $3.3 million at the end of March, including some fun, including investors like Animoca Brands, who's, uh, they invest in a number of gaming NFT companies. So let's see, another couple of uh, VCs in there. And then they've got some um, angel investors that are more football or soccer aligned. So I don't know a ton about the team behind it here, but they are docs and it looks like they have, have experience. So that's good to see as well. Yeah. And the co-founders are developers, very much docs. Like you can go into their LinkedIn and kind of see what they're doing and there's money behind it. You know, hearing from some of the people that are collecting, this is still pretty new in the, in the game and in the ecosystem. So kind of a good time to go in and take a look, see if it's interesting. And, and kind of watch how one of these uh, potential groups are going to grow. You know, there's just going to be so, so many games rolled out. And the question of like how, what attracts me is how far into the future it seems like teams are planning for. Obviously, are they doxxed? But also, what kind of progress have they literally made today? I get very nervous. And I'll say it again and again. When I see roadmaps that say like, and then Gabe in Q3. And you're like, nope. Not, I'm not going to wait for, for that period of hype, but they are actually, you know, sort of 
rolling things out and, and I like to see development as it happens. Yeah, cool. Right. Thanks for bringing that one to us, George. Yeah, full disclosure, I don't have one. I'm currently saving up for a pointlessly large purchase of potentially a Moonbird, but it depends on what they do. So I'm not a holder, but feel free to jump into our, our Discord and, and share some some thoughts if you have it. Right. All Let's get on to our topic. Know what you own. So, so. Jack Dorsey, first tweet. Yeah, Jack Dorsey, first tweet. And, you know, we were talking about it, like, Obviously, like, that's not what we're talking about with regard to, like, the average holder, I would say. The average holder not being someone who's got, you know, that that type of bankroll. But understanding whether or not your your collection is on the rise and what phase of life your, your current holdings are. Like, we talked about those phases of, like, all right, where is the project right now? Is it in the hype cycle? Is it in the trough of sorrow? Is it in the rebuilding? And that's what I thought of when you had... Uh, this topic written down, but I want what your take on uh, where your head goes with no what you. So yeah, I think there's a, a few different ways that you can that you can think about this, and you know, I was thinking about this a little bit and understanding like what are you actually buying, and got thinking about this a little bit with the the news of that Jack Dorsey tweet or or the the lack of interest in it, and thinking you know there was that the the creator really had endorsed it, and you know it, it really was more of a screenshot of the tweet. You know, what does it mean to own that tweet when it was something that was created well before NFTs were around. You don't own the data. You have no access to it. You know, there's nothing there. You own a picture of the, the tweet. So I think it's important to to think about what you own. And that's part of what I was alluding to earlier when I was saying if buying something that was created for the blockchain, that the creator was making it to put on, to make an NFT, you can be a lot more. And, and it's actually coming from their wallet. You can see all these things. I feel a lot better holding that in my wallet than someone else saying that I'm going to take something that wasn't on the blockchain and put it on the blockchain or that what, I mean, that's what it was done in both the case of this uh, Jack Dorsey tweet. It's what's been done with some physical works or even digital works that were created before, before NFTs. And, you know, I don't know how well that those, those pieces will age because it's, I don't know that you can really just take it, it to me, that'd be somewhat like taking a painting and saying, well, now I'm the first one to, you know, put it into a photograph just because it hadn't been done. doesn't mean that it really needs to be done or has any value. You can, because that piece can still just be recreated again. So that's part of what I was thinking about when I'm thinking about this, this idea of know what you own. I mean, I've got other notes in here about the, the idea and, um, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more, but that's initially kind of how I go when I'm thinking about this. Yeah, I, my head goes to the Creative Commons that we talked about prior. Do I have the right to, for example, fully own and license out potentially and, and build there? Not that I'm really going to do it. I'm not, I'm truly not. I'm not, not about to create a whole like branding cycle on it, but that obviously increases the potential value. For instance, if, you know, Jack Dorsey was really behind this and saying like, all right, you're going to get one tweet. You get, you get to get one tweet from me a year by holding this, right? There, if there's added value to it somehow, if it's much more than like, like you said, a lift and shift from web two to web three, I think, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're starting to see that with, with some projects a bit more, but saying like, all right, you get the ownership. So that's like the new sort of table stakes of really people following the lead of board, Deep Yacht Club and how Yuga has done that. Clearly the, 
the the shift there. Like, you know, a lot of people are going to be looking to that as, as the new standard. So like owning all of the rights will be new table stakes. So the further definitions and explorations of like, what do you own? Do you get in this community? Is that community valuable? Do you like, you know, more of that? Yeah, I think the idea of even if there is a community, if you're buying, you know, one of the other or some of the other ideas that I, you know, are ways that I think about this is whether you're buying an NFT collection versus a piece of art. I mean, art much more is going to just own and not necessarily come with a community or have a community with continued development, excitement. It's probably not going to, I don't know, to, to lead to a lot of a lot of utility, like, I mean, that's, that's a word that's, that's said or that's used a lot. And I, there are cases where art could be that, but it's much more, I, I would say in the in crypto art is much more light buying a, a piece that you would put on your wall. It may go up in value, but it's generally not one that you're flipping or, or you know, trading as actively. And I think part of that is because it doesn't have the, the network effects of having, it comes along with a collection, the collections, you know, naturally, you know, they're, whether it's. 3,000 or 5,000, it's, there's something that connects them all together and connects all the holders together. And that, that group can grow a lot faster than just, just an artist can generally do. Fair. That makes, that makes sense. Another framing that I had on this is like, in terms of just like knowing what you own at this point, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, you can look up how many things I own, but it's getting to be a lot to keep track of. And so I actually use. The, we talked about this tool before, the WGMI, Wagme without an A, Wagme dot, by the way, the, the floor price on, you know, the prime membership is actually like lower than it's ever been. And I have no clue why, because this tool actually like shows me all of the volume up and down. And so knowing what I own also is understanding where in the life cycle of what I own and where it is. So for example, if volume starts pumping, I want to know if certainly like certain floor traits, right? Because knowing what you own is also knowing the the traits and the significance of those traits in relevance to the collection and at a certain point you can't track it all if you're just in an open wallet so i think there's a certain inevitability to do that you know full disclosure i own two of these things i think it's a good tool so there's that and also you know how you know the v friends gary v's project uh, really kind of pushed this like if you have this kind of trait you get this if you have this kind of trait you get this access like maybe even to an extreme but it's very much looking at how even trait specific is knowing what you own and potentially getting or maybe missing out on opportunities if you don't know what's in your wallet. Yeah, that's a good point. Looking at those traits and really understanding what there is, you know, there are even there are even times where you may you may have some in your wallet, not think much of it, and all of a sudden something starts happening with that project and. You know, good to know. And, and you can see that if you do have that tool, it's one of my favorite tools as well. And yeah, I, I was surprised as well that, that the floor on that is as low as it is. I don't know. I see people talking about it all the time and I know people use it all the time. And it certainly seems like a, like a, a good buy if you are dealing with NFTs on a regular basis, rather it, it'll save you a lot of time and probably pay for itself and just uh, getting you to list at the correct price at some point versus just at the floor. Yeah. I mean, I already talked about how the tool saved me on party bears from missing out on at least an E. So that paid for itself. Done. So one uh, other thing I mentioned in here is the idea of open editions. We've seen a handful of open editions from some big artists recently. We talked about X copy, you know, 
We did that live on the, on a show here, as we minted in open editions, it's important to remember that these are generally done to give more people access to an artist inherently, not much risk, uh, not much, sorry, risk. There's not much uh, rarity uh, at the beginning because, you know, essentially all the people that wanted it should have been able to mint at the, you know, at the mint price. So there's not much reason for it to, to go up right away, especially if it's a relatively long window for minting. That being said, we did see the X copy floor actually go up to a double right away after that now has come down under, you know, which I, I think is somewhat to be expected. I think these are things that, you know, give you access to an artist that you're more willing to hold for a longer period of time. It's not a collection in the sense of, um, there's no variability to the, the pieces. They all look the same as the other. So you don't get people kind of trading around, trying to trade up in the collection. You know, we mentioned, or sorry, another project that had this recently was uh, Drifter Shoots, who's a photographer who his open edition ended up being about uh, 10,000 pieces. I know he's been kind of getting some, some pushback because the, the, the floor has dropped below the mid you know, and, and that's a tough one for an artist, you know, people are looking for, you know, more plans of what he's, he's going to do and, and things to, to sort of, you know, either decrease the supply or, or give more people incentive to hold it. And I, you know, I think that's really tough right after uh, the drop, especially when, you know, he was giving, you know, he, he planned the drop he, he, a year from the date he was released from prison and a good, a good portion of the, I, I can't remember the, the amount, but he did donate a, a good portion to, to some prison reform nonprofits and, you know, was doing a lot in that way. And I think it by that kind of piece and open edition, you're getting access to this piece, but also trying to hold this for the long term to support an artist, continue to be able to do that work. And if there is a, you know, if it does work out, I think there's probably a good opportunity for getting on, you know, a white list for another project or being able to maybe even, you know, burn these to get access to a new piece, you know, artists are, are pretty aware of, of the collectors that do hold their pieces, generally speaking. And, you know, they're all learning as they go here, but I think that, you know, it's important to consider, you know, what you are holding in that sense as well. Yeah. Another one we featured uh, a while back was the Dead Ringers, the edition by Dmitry Cherniak. And that's, you know, below mid, but it was like 0.05. So, right. All right. I'm like, I'm happy to hold that actually. And it's like, but you know, again, there's tons out there and long-term, I don't know. I, I do still like, even though I am looking at the, you know, Max Payne and friends sitting below the mint, I don't care. I'm going to hold this for a long time. I'm real happy um, to have an X copy in my wallet. And, you know, it's something when I, when I finally get my digital display going, I'll be like, I just, you know, have that. And guess what? I think there's going to be a point. This is an artist who's going to be around for a long time. He's going to do another one. He's going to do another open edition at some point. And like, you know, at a certain certain point, you know, like more and more access. So does the rarity change potentially over time because of the date and time at which you did in fact get it? And I'd say X copy in particular is pretty darn clever about doing those burn mechanics in subsequent rounds. And you saw that the, uh, the last time too, and I try not to beat myself up about like trying to like flip certain things at the right moment in time. I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Trying to time, trying to time the buy, uh, buying and sells of these things is really difficult. And it can be done successfully sometimes, not all the time, I would definitely say. And 
if you don't know when the price may go up or down, you know, it's tough to just say, well, you know, don't mint to just get it later. There often are opportunities to buy it after mint under the mint price. I wouldn't say it's 100% true, but especially with open editions, there's usually a chance to, to get more. Um, you know, there is something to the minting aspect that is, you know, you can see that on the chain that you actually minted it, went straight to your wallet. No, nobody else held that. There's, there's something kind of, I don't know, uh, to me, there's still something kind of cool about that aspect to it. Yeah, I do like seeing the like from X copy. It's kind of cool. Although technically to get it over to OpenSea, you have to make another transaction. So you kind of lose a little bit of that, like direct. That's, that's true. Like yeah, a yeah. little dirty on the, on the chain, but uh, you can dust it off. That's true. All right. Yeah. That's know what you own. Anything else to cap on this? No, I think that's it. Going to go check what I own a little bit more. I check Wagme every day. I generally like, I just oh, need absolutely. to take an eye on it and just be like, all right, what is moving that I should need to pay attention to? Because in terms of like, I don't time things, but there are certain things I'm trying to time. And if it's pumping, I'm like, ah, might need some liquid. Well, yeah. For an owl problem I might have soon. All right. Those moon birds. This has been an episode of the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.